when I got into NFTs, like I noticed everybody's looking at their NFTs like on flat device screens, right? You scroll through your phone, you look at them on your computer, your iPad, whatever. And um, to me, that seems very limiting. Like, I don't think we're going to settle much longer for that. I think we're going to, um, we're going to grow intolerant to just looking at NFTs on a flat device screen at some point, And this is why, you know, like I kind of sound like the, you know, that, that crazy prophet that's like saying the world is, is, is ending, blah, blah, blah. But, um, but I, I truly believe that that's the next leap forward that the space is going to take. So um, it was instant for me because I knew like even early last year, that, that this was a limitation and that holograms are going to be a need. Welcome back to Cool Hand Crypto, where cinema, culture, and crypto collide. My name is Matt Silverman, and please remember to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast app. I love talking with artists. It's my favorite type of conversation because I understand the inescapable urge to create. We don't always know why we're doing it or what we're doing or when it will stop, but like an itch you can't scratch, it's there. I have never met today's guest, but she is clearly one of these people, a highly prolific sculptor, curator, hologram collage artist whose work has received grants from the Robert Rauschenberg Foundation, Andy Warhol Foundation, Andrew Mellon Foundation, Joan Mitchell Foundation, with previous exhibitions at the Whitney Museum of Art, Art Basel, Miami Beach, Basel, Basel, and more. If you're at a computer, just go to her website, sculpturings.com. I'll list the link in the description for the full 360 audio visual experience. Rebecca Rose, welcome to the show. Hi. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me, Matt. Uh, so this is going to be uh, exciting. I went to your website. There is so much art there, so much to talk about. Uh, we'll obviously focus the conversation mostly on NFTs and, and this new space. Um, but let's start just maybe with a, a brief. I like to know how different people, you know, got to NFTs. How did they, where are they coming from and, and sort of their journey into NFTs? So I know you have a, a, a very long history of art at, at Disney and at uh, 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 all sorts of places, sculpting and everything. So why don't you give us sort of the the nutshell version of it? All right. So it might be it might be a rather big nut, like a coconut compared to a peanut shell. But um, <laughs> all right. So um, I'll start with this. My my entry to NFTs began with a rat infested house. And I'll get back to that. Okay, <laughs> right, I like so it. I like this rewinding. lead. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> rewinding. Um, so yes, uh, I've been doing digital collage um, since the late '90s. Um, before that, um, I was doing uh, you know analog collage with uh, scissors and paper and glue and all that um, in the mid '90s. I'm really dating myself here, um, but that just means I have a lot of experience. Um, and, and then I started doing sculptural collage um, in the um, late 90s, early 2000s, and I did that practice for about 18 years. Um, found uh, some success showing my sculptural collage um, all over the world. And uh, one thing about my sculptural collage is that it's wearable. So um, you really need to be in person with the piece to try it on to see how it works with your body. Um, and about seven years ago in 2015, I realized, oh my gosh, there's a huge disconnect there 
because there were, um, you know, prospective collectors in Asia who, you know, were curious about buying a piece, but they wanted to try it on first. And, you know, I had reservations about sending them, you know, works that are cast in precious metals like gold or sterling right. silver halfway across the globe with the, with the hope that they would either um, purchase it or trust them to send it back <laughs> without right, buying right. it. So that was a huge problem. And so um, I thought of a way back in 2015, I'm like, well, maybe I can recreate a virtual trying on experience. Um, and I would send them um, like a small holographic pyramid, which is like a transparent four-sided um, you know, uh, it could be made out of glass or, or plastic or acrylic. And I would then create um, like a quad split holographic format MP4, like video file of the, of the ring, of the sculptural collage. Um, so it would be uh, configured in like a north, south, east, west pattern. That way I would send them the, um, the small pyramid, I would send them the file, and then they could just, you know, play the file of the piece, um, like on their iPad, put it on top of the pyramid, and then have it appear as a hologram in their physical space, and then just shove their hand up inside the pyramid to see the ring projected on their hand as a hologram. That way it would inform them about, you know, whether or not they would wa want to buy it. So, um... I was doing that for about seven years, um, and let's see, going back to the rats. All right, so um, while I was doing this sculpture, this my sculptural practice, um, I was also working for Disney as a Walt Disney artist for eighteen years, and then COVID hit, and you know they slashed the budget on all the departments, and of course our whole department got axed. <laughs> so yeah. I lost my job um, when COVID hit. And I started to really rethink my practice, my art practice. And so um, I uh, started to sell off my sculptural equipment, unfortunately. And then I started to, you know, dive headfirst into um, the digital work again. So, um, yeah, it started with last January. All right. This is where the rats come in. Those feral. I feel like I need to get popcorn right rodents. now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, well, I don't know. It might be too gross. You might throw it was up a dark and stormy night and my house was full of rats. <laughs> oh, but it was. It was. So we had heard um, the scurrying in our roof and we're like, what are those squirrels? Because we see lots of squirrels back in our backyard. And um, lo and behold, we had somebody come out and they're like, oh, you have a rat infestation in your roof. And we're like, what? So, of course, I couldn't stay in the house. So of course, um, of course. Because it took like, you know, three and a half months for them to, you know, seal up the, the, the holes in the house and then, you know, uh, get exterminate all the rats out and make sure they didn't return. So during that time, early last year, um, I actually lived with my in-laws who were gracious enough to welcome their, their home to us. And you know, when you stay at somebody else's house, um, you're like, you're, you're welcome and you're comfortable, but you're not a hundred percent comfortable. So right, I kind of like right. tended to myself and I didn't want to impose. So I was in a corner, you know, in, in the house, like for the whole, for the full three months. And, and it was, it was in January where I really started to, you know, learn about, um, NFTs, even though I had heard the term NFT a couple years prior. And I remember reading an article, but I didn't let it sink in. So now that I had time and kind of like solitude, right? No distractions that I'm used to having at our house. Cause I was somewhere else. I really had the time and the focus to just like 
dive into what NFTs are, what they do, like, um, you know, how they're going to change the world. And I was like, wait a second, I've been making digital art for so long. Like I've been doing NFTs without putting them on the blockchain. So I started, um, yeah, I started uh, minting in early March. And from there, I've been, you know, minting on Foundation and in Origin. I curate for Maker's Place. I also mint on OpenSea and Super Rare, which I'm super excited about. And um, Solana now. I'm a 2021 Solana NFT OG artist. <laughs> Amazing. Well, first of all, your your pyramid idea for the, the jewelry is incredibly clever. I, did anyone steal your pyramid? Those pyramids were um, on the lesser expensive side of things, so they could just keep them. Great idea. I love that. And you have to go to the website and check out these these, I, I saw a bunch of rings that were just like little movie scenes. They looked like little movie mm-hmm. scenes on top of a ring. I, incredible. Thank you. With the NFTs, you know, what, one of the things I'm trying to do with this show, and I, it's, it's a struggle because I'm sort of immersed in it and you're immersed in it, and I'm talking with everyone who is immersed in it. Um, but a lot of my listeners, I, I, they find the conversation hard to follow. So what I'd like to do maybe is, uh, can you break down some of the different platforms that you just described, OpenSea and Super Rare, and you know what what are these different things that you're involved in? Um, what do they do, and how do they help artists? So um, Super Rare is uh, a one of one. Um, NFT platform, meaning that the artists are um, expected um, to only mint one edition of each work um, compared to like, you know, known origin or foundation or open sea where you can mint multiple editions. Super rare focuses on just one of one works, um, which is why they're called super rare. You know, there's just one, there's the scarcity um, level already that's, uh, or scarcity level layer that's already on there. So, um, and super rare of course has a very highly curated, um, team that, uh, seeks out only the best artists. Like they won't just allow anybody to mint there. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a niche, um, almost like the Gagosian version of like an art gallery. You know what I mean? Very blue chip. Um, and an origin is also, um, blue chip as well. They have a curated platform. They do allow additions as well as one of one works. Um, they just announced doing, um, composable NFTs where you can actually mint an NFT inside of another NFT, um, and kind of embed one NFT into another, which is great Explain that. because is that two NFTs? Yeah, it is. It is. Isn't that crazy? So, um, so uh, for those that don't, for, for the listeners that don't really know a lot about like NFTs or what's called unlockables, um, there are some platforms that allow like uh, unlockable content to be paired with an NFT. Um, and that unlockable content is usually stored off chain, like either in a Dropbox or um, in a Google Drive, which the creator then always has to make sure that they keep valid for the perpetuity of the NFT it's paired with. And things happen. Drop, Dropbox links get, get um, you know, uh, corrupted or um, G drives get deleted. You know what I mean? So um, like having that unlockable content off chain for me was, you know, kind of a, kind of like a, oh, really? Like, so now that Known Origin is allowing NFTs to be embedded inside other NFTs, it removes that um, that necessity to always have like an unlockable. Like you could just have that NFT like 
always paired with the other NFT in perpetuity without the creator, you know, having the responsibility of making sure the Dropbox, Dropbox links work and, and the G drive link, links continue to work, um, which is a huge relief actually. Um, foundation is another, um, curated. Well, actually foundation is not curated. Foundation is invite only. So you'll have to know, um, an artist that, uh, is currently on the foundation platform who has sold work um, and will have invites available because you don't get any invites to invite other people to join the platform until you sell a work yourself. Um, and then OpenSea is kind of like a everybody's game. So um, <laughs> it's like a giant mar marketplace that aggregates all of the API from multiple platforms like Super Rare, Market Maker's Place, Known Origin, Rarible, everywhere. And then it aggregates it into OpenSea where you could then um, buy and sell on secondary as well as minting works primarily uh, on the primary market of OpenSea as well. And that is not curated. Anybody who wants to get in the game can definitely go to OpenSea and start minting. Are you listing on all of these sites your art and, and then you're also curating on some of these sites? Yes. So um, I have, oh goodness, I have, I've minted on one, two, three, four, five, six. Six different platforms across two chains, across Ethereum, no, across three chains now, across Ethereum, Tezos, and Solana. Um, the But I curate for Maker's Place, and I don't mint there um, because I, I don't want there to be like any sort of, you know, funny business. Like that's kind of like separate. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't want it to look like, oh, well, she curated herself onto the platform. That's not the right, case. Right. So, yeah. Do you know how many curators they have? Is there like, how does that process work as far as submitting artists that you're interested in and things like that? Um, it's kind of a, it's a growing team. Um, you know, of course the platform started off with, you know, just a handful and then, you know, they added another handful and another handful. So we've got like three little handfuls worth. Um, but, uh, the way I approach curation for Maker's Place is, um, because I have like a, um, a, an art career that spanned like two decades before NFTs. Like I've, I've met a lot of artists and I have a lot of artists in my network and, um, you know, I've been trying to onboard um, them into NFTs and a lot of them produce exquisite works um, and have shown at phenomenal galleries and museums and I've had the honor of like showing with them in some group exhibitions and I, I, I approach my curation to the platform um, through, through that history like knowing that they're established artists that they have dedicated so much time to their art practice um, and that are at the level um, and aptitude that that they've reached that, you know, others strive to attain. You're like a virtual globetrotter across these different blockchains and platforms. And um, is there anything you're you're seeing for someone just getting started as far as uh, which ones are maybe easier to use or which is still figuring out or which has the most promise or, or just general insight that someone who's experienced so many different types of NFT marketplaces and, and platforms, um, you know, insight that you would have that someone just starting out wouldn't. So for someone just starting out, the, the, the thing to always hold on to is things move fast. 
and things always change. So when you, when you, from the time that you get, you know, into your head that you want to consider doing NFTs to the time that it takes to research it and really learn about the ecosystem and how everything functions, things change. <laughs> so you have to, you have to put the pound, you have to pound the pavement and really dig in and do the work and, and not just be like, Oh, I'll think about it later. Like you have to commit, you have to commit and you have to adapt to how things change because ever since, um, I mean, gosh, known origin has had three versions of their contract out since, since they, uh, started in 2018, I think same with super rare. I think they've had about three, maybe four versions of their contract as well. And things, um, things change, you know, like there, there are going to be times where you, um, are minting on one platform and you find that it maybe doesn't suit your, your needs or your style, um, perhaps, uh, maybe if you're minting on OpenSea, which I love OpenSea, it's, it's fantastic for so many things, but if you're an artist that, you know, doesn't want to get lost in the wide open sea of art, <laughs> maybe right. that's going to be a struggle for you. Well done. <laughs> maybe that's going to be a struggle. So, <laughs> so, um, like getting onto, um, some other like smaller, not smaller, but, uh, curated platforms. Um, will help because they do tend to push, um, you know, marketing of their, their, the artists on their roster a little bit, a little bit better. Like they have emails and, um, like, uh, my gosh, I think like, uh, three or four emails a week, uh, the platforms will highlight artists and, and try to get the word out there to collectors to, to purchase their works. Can you tell us what you mean when you say there's different versions of the contract being released? Yeah. So, um, when I started uh, minting Unknown Origin, they were on version two. And uh, this summer, they rolled out version three, which was an improvement um, because they were able to code it so that um, it lowered the gas fee. Um, and it actually combined like the minting and the listing uh, gas fees together. So, um, and then there were, you know, of course, they had, you know, beta testers. And um, even right now, like there are some uh, third party. Um, uh, not apps, but, you know, third party uh, showcases, we'll say, um, that don't properly aggregate those V3 known origin works because, um, you know, they're on a different contract. So, you know, you might have an OpenSea um, profile and be minting on known, known origin and only see, you know, some of them come up as pictures and then some will come up as the known origin logo because of that, that version, that contract change. Um, and then, uh, oh, one thing I know, one thing I forgot to say is if you're an artist that's just starting out, think about your budget, think about how much you're, you're able to spend because different platforms do charge different rates. Um, like they all pretty much have the same commission fee. Um, like 15% is general. Um, but with the exception of OpenSea, I think there's this 2.5, but the, um, foundation charges three times. They charge once for minting the work, once for listing the work, and once for settling a sale. And that's unique because after you, when you mint the work, the, the minted piece is shown up on your profile and it's in your wallet. Um, when you list the work, it actually gets sent to Foundation's escrow wallet, which is like a custodial wallet, right, for Foundation. And then when somebody buys the work, you then have to settle it with 
you have to settle the sale through the escrow. And that, that chart, I mean, that, that gets charged, you get charged three times because of it, because you're interacting with it, with the contract three different times. So, and that gets pricey. So yeah, just kind of keep that in mind with your budget, what you're able and willing to spend. Are you referring to people buying NFTs or, or people listing NFTs? Listing, like if you're an artist that's wanting to list. So let, let's talk about your uh, hologram art. When I think of hologram, before I looked over your work, I think of the film kind of hologram, which I don't know if you're, you also do, but that's the kind I would receive maybe in baseball cards or something where you'd see, you'd go like this and, and see the little person uh, move around. Um, I believe your holograms are a bit different, right? They are. Um, I think what you're referring to is kind of a, like a lenticular almost uh, holographic um yeah it's it's like a film right that has like an iridescence right. kind of a rain, rainbow shimmer yeah so um that is uh one version um so the holograms that i do um which are single plane quad spit plane and also uh just uh anamorphically distorted cylindrical holograms and i'll explain what each of those <laughs> mean because it sounds a little Star Trekky, so um, it actually has its roots in what's called the Pepper's Ghost. Have you ever heard of the Pepper's Ghost? No, I don't think so. I, I no. Tell us about the Pepper. I feel like this whole conversation is is like a campfire story. But yes, <laughs> yes. That, Where tell is us about my the ghost. Golden arm. <laughs> First there were rats, then there were ghosts. <laughs> right. You'd think that I that I live in an abandoned. I'm looking forward to the zombies and the vampires. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the Pepper's Ghost is actually um, uh, an illusion that originated in the late 1800s. It's been around that long, um, and uh, it's it pretty much uses um, like a pane of glass at a 45 degree angle that has um, an illuminated subject uh, that kind of reflects the, the light beams off of that angled plane in a way that your eye reads it as like a ghost or as something that's not there. And so, but that's just like a single one-sided plane. Like Tupac, the Tupac concert, that hologram, like the Tupac right. hologram concert. I was there. Is, I was at Coachella you, for that. Yeah. <laughs> you were? Oh my God. Yeah, I was, a photo I was doing photography. Yeah, it was, it was uh, wild. That's a Well, you, you saw a single plane Pepper's Ghost hologram. <laughs> that was Yeah, Tupac. me and Tupac went to hang out after. Me and the hologram <laughs> went to go get some drinks after. It was, it was really nice. <laughs> So with, uh, that's so amazing. Oh my God. I love that you did that. So, um, so with a single plane hologram, you know, you have, uh, the, the, um, the subject, whether, you know, in this case it's Tupac and then the dancers in front or behind the glass to give that illusion of depth that they're interacting with him actually being there, quote unquote. So, um, but with a single plane, you only get to see that illusion from one side with a pyramid you can see it front, side, side, back. So if you have the pyramid with a quad split holographic format NFT in that north, south, east, east, west configuration, you'll be able to like do a 360 around that pyramid and see the hologram in like front, side, side, back, which is really cool. And then, but I mean, even with pyramids, right? Like you have corners, you have hard corners, geometrically right. speaking. 
So if we remove the hard corners and, and insert a transparent cylindrical shape, that like gives you the, you're able to like see it 360 in the round, but the NFT source, like the image source from above that is helping to create the, the, the hologram has to change as well. You can't just have a north, south, east, west quad split holographic format NFT and then put a cylindrical on it and, and think it's going to work. So in order for it to work with a cylinder, you have to take a single image and anamorphically distort it like this. Like kind of like in a um, like one side is really wide and one side and the other end is really narrow in kind of a curving mo like curving way. So that way it um, the the curvature of that anamorphic anamorphically distorted image um, it it actually pairs with the circumference of the transparent cylinder that you're pairing it with. Ah, what a mouthful. Yes, ama amazing. I know everyone, uh, you can go get a glass of water before we continue. I know it's, I feel like it's, uh, <laughs> I want to get into sort of the more of the mechanics of what you're talking about, because I I've been to your website, I've seen the, the circles and I've seen the different thing. And I, I want to know more about that. But um, my, my first question is where, when you were before NFTs, when you were starting to, when you were already sort of involved in, in this this space and doing holograms was it an instant connection like of course i need to make these real world holograms nfts or is that something i feel like if i were doing that i would have to be like how do i take a 3d real world object uh, a hologram and make that something for the internet and it, it would take me a minute to to figure that out but maybe it was instant for you how did you make that connection it was instant for me um because like with the way that we um even early on when i got into nfts like i noticed everybody's looking at their nfts like on flat device screens right you scroll through your phone you look at them on your computer your ipad whatever and um to me that seems very limiting like, I don't think we're going to settle much longer for that. I think we're going to, um, yeah. we're going to grow intolerant to just looking at NFTs on a flat device screen at some point, right. And this is why, you know, like I kind of sound like the, you know, that, that crazy prophet that's like saying the world is, is, is ending, blah, blah, blah. But, um, but I, I truly believe that that's the next leap forward that the space is going to take because we're only going to, we're going to only, you know, tolerate that for so long. So um, it was instant for me because I knew like even early last year that that this was a limitation and that holograms are going to be a need. So um, I was like, well, you know, shit, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> like I've been, you know, doing holograms, you know, for so long already. Like this is um, this is what's going to be needed. So, um, yeah, it was pretty instant. And, and even still, like when I, when I talk about, um, holograms and NFTs as holograms at like, you know, conferences like NFT NYC I spoke at and NFT Basel, like I, I'm still trying to, you know, preach it and <laughs> get the word out there that this is on the horizon. Because when we, when we talk about, you know, of course us, the physical going into the metaverse, the digital, like that digi fizzy crossover, it's a two-way right. road. It's a two-way road. We've got to bring the digital into our physical in new and innovative ways right. that go beyond our flat screens. And I think holograms are going to do it. So when you go to your website, 
um, you see basically a bunch of almost like polka dots and they're circles and they have different like graphics in them and, and whatnot. So if I were to buy one of those uh, or, or mint one of those today, um, how do I use it? What do I do? How does it work? I'm so glad you asked. So those uh, quad split holographic format NFTs, like with the polka dots, like you said, um, those polka dots are the digital collage. So there are my roots there too. Um, but with with each of those quad split NFT formats or format NFTs, it, it actually comes with a small pyramid. So you get the physical when you purchase one and that gets sent to you. That way you can, you know, put your phone on top of the pyramid and actually see the hologram in in your house yeah <laughs> and there are some um like there are some holographic nfts that i've done that are single plane um like the ones on super rare those are optimized for um, a portal hologram unit have you heard of portal I believe I have heard of Portal, but I don't know much about them. T tell us about them. So right now, a Portal holographic unit is a seven foot tall, maybe like three foot deep, um, like telephone box looking, you know, structure that a hologram appears in. It's a single plane hologram, very much like the Tupac show. Um, and it has, uh, you know, it, it's supposed to simulate like somebody is really inside that box, right? And you can have conference calls and two-way communication and whatnot. Um, but... They are, and this is not alpha, even though it, it was on their website, but then they took it off and I've had some meetings with them. It's not alpha, but um, they are coming out with a tabletop version of this hologram unit, which means nice. that there are, yeah, like, which means that you can put your NFTs, as long as they're optimized for it, you can put your NFTs in this tabletop hologram portal unit and see your NFT as a hologram. And it won't cost 60000 like the seven-foot-tall ones. <laughs> I, I want to know more about sort of you and your art. So we've, we've been talking a lot about sort of the mechanics of how NFTs work. Um, but can you describe what the content of your art is and if there's uh, a theme that sort of unites all of all of your art? Yeah. So I'm a big sci-fi nerd. Um, of course, you know, my love of holograms stems back for, to like Star Wars and Star Trek and all about that. It, if if I don't see a, holo, a holodeck, like by, before I die, it'll be my biggest regret in life. <laughs> like I want to step into a holodeck. So obviously like there's a sci-fi spin to a lot of the digital collage that I do. And I tend to focus on like, um, not just like what other planets would be like, but mostly like how weird they're going to be and how, um, you know, unabashed they are in their weirdness. And so I really focus on, um, you know, the strange and unusual, not to sound like Delia from Beetlejuice, but um, like I really focus on um, things that are whimsical and funny and um, zany and yeah, just weird. I'm a weird person and I think in weird ways. So that definitely comes through my art. But then there's also this like retro, um, retro flavor to it because I use a lot of the collage, the collage work that I do um, uses a lot of references like from uh, visions of the past, like, um, you know, really, really old advertisements or really, really old, just weird things that I find that are old. And then I kind of like bash them together and mash them up um, to kind of compose these uh, interesting scenes. And um, 
It's funny that you mentioned, you know, is there like a, a universe building kind of with it? And there, it, it's starting to go that route. Um, like my, um, my collection mid-century manifesto was the start of it. So that was minted in 2021. And then in 2022, I've started Aeon manifesto, which, um, is just, I have just a few pieces that are minted, but I have some that are still works and pro progresses and they each kind of, um, have a similar approach in that it's sci-fi and retro and weird and zany and, you know, crazy and it's in its colorful hues and whatever, but there's also like an underlying uh, storyline where they're all connected um, with different planets and different quadrants and different um, regions and, and species, you know, that you kind of encounter. So like the, the idea is that you as the viewer or the collector is actually being beamed into this universe. And then you get to see all of these things happen and get to meet all of these species interact with each other. Very cool. Obviously people will go to the website and check out all of your work, but what is listed right now? Can you describe um, certain uh, NFTs that are listed right now that people could buy today if they wanted to? Sure. Um, there is a very large single plane hologram uh, on Super Rare that's listed at... Actually, that one's accepting offers. I'm taking offers on that one. Um, so don't lowball me, guys. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then... Uh, and then on Known Origin, um, there are the quad split holographic uh, NFTs. Um, and there are two different collections with that. The Mid-Century Manifesto, like I said earlier, and the Let's Live Together collection, which is, oddly enough, quad split holographic NFTs of me, yours truly, you know, doing weird things. You know, the idea behind that is that I become a hologram in your living space. Because it's, you know, a lot of collectors, all the collectors live with art, but very few of them can say that they've lived with the artist. So I'm like, yeah, well, right. <laughs> yeah, like, why not, you know, make myself, uh, you know, an artist, you know, be by the end of the year, you'll live. be in households around the country. <laughs> How creepy. And I like that. <laughs> I like that, that like voyeuristic kind of a uh... she'll be watching you there'll be rats there'll be ghosts <laughs> oh my god prepare your funerary property now you know what you so... need to do you need to embed like an audio track of you saying Alexa play music and in that way the, the hologram of you is is just like in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. telling Alexa to play uh, to play some haunting music or something Oh, I kind of dig that. Yeah. Like, like soft sounds of wolves attacking or yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a Cle good idea. Clearly your new mission statement would be to scare all of, all of the people purchasing your art. <laughs> I want to be able, I to want my, my art to evoke that like, you know, chicken skin feeling. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting to have like an artist, you know, living in your space, you know, living together. So that's, that's one of the collections on known origin. Um, and then on foundation, uh, there are some painted holograms, which are in the quad split holographic format as well. Um, I painted on records for many, many years. 
and um, I'm in like, gosh, Slash from Guns N' Roses has one of my records, my painted records. Um, Whoever the bassist is for REO Speedwagon, I can't remember his name, but yeah. So like I I painted on records for a long time too. And that collection is like the digitized um, animated versions of my paintings. Um, And then on OpenSea, because I totally understand not everybody is going to want the physical holographic component, that pyramid, like some people might not just want to, they just don't want to deal with it. Sure. And some people are just not going to want to deal with like the hol- the quad split holographic format too. I get that. So on OpenSea, there are static, like still images of the digital collage as well as motion works of the digital collage. Are you focusing all of your energy into creating NFTs now? Or are you also working on um, physical art that, that has no intention of being an NFT? Right now, it's all NFTs all the time. Like, yeah. no joke. Yeah, like falling asleep in Twitter spaces. And <laughs> and obviously that's because you enjoy it, but are you also seeing that there's just a, a crazy demand for this, a crazy demand for your art and a crazy demand for new NFTs? I do enjoy it. I, I'm immersed in it and because I love it. Like, I've never, for as long as I've done art, I've never seen... Um, the strength, the sheer power of like what you're able to achieve than in this, than in this space like this, it's totally different from the quote unquote traditional art world. And that's why I'm all in like 150%. So, um, yeah, like I, I haven't done much physical artwork, um, you know, since COVID hit and I had to start selling off my equipment Um, I've done some paintings, which I've sold like physical paintings, but I haven't really painted painted since September of last year, I think. I don't remember. Um, And then, um, well, I build with Legos. That's kind of sculptural. So maybe that counts. Um, But yeah, pretty much just all NFTs for me. NFTs are exploding. It's all the buzz right now. It's, it's, uh, it's everywhere, um, but because you're so immersed in it, can you talk a little bit about why you think this isn't a fad? Yeah. This isn't a phase that these these that NFTs and this this kind of art and this the space is here to stay. Oh, for sure. I mean, we whether we like to admit it or not, like we as humans, we live a lot of our days and our time online. And in the digital realm, in some form or fashion, whether it's web one, web two, however you want to do it. Like we are, you know, constantly playing games. We're constantly on our phones. We're constantly buying things that are of digital nature anyway. But when you buy things of a digital nature, that's not web three, you don't truly own it. So the, the beauty of web three is that everything that you buy your digital assets um, as long as it's incorporated with Web Web three, you will be able to own, and you'll be able to do with it what you wish. If you want to give it to somebody, you can give it to somebody because you own it. If you want to sell it, you can sell it because you own it. So what I think is is crucial for like mainstream adoption to really understand is that because so many, there is still a lot of like um, pushback with NFTs, even though we, even though in, in the NFT community, in the NFT bubble, it seems like there's um, mass adoption happening. And it is, but 
like outside of our bubble, like people don't quite get it. And I don't want to say we're early because, you know, a lot of signals are saying we're kind of like. I'll say um, it. We're definitely early. I think we're early. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, well, I think we're, it. it's perfect timing. It's perfect timing. I think, you know, the, I think we're like at the very bottom of the of the the curve here. And it, and it's great. I mean, it's where you kind of want to be. For people that don't understand it, like, okay, as, as much as, you know, Facebook gets a lot of like flack, they are really, um, people are going to be living a lot of their time, like in the metaverse, and they're going to want to build their, their digital homes, their virtual homes or whatever. They're going to need artwork on the walls of their virtual homes. And like for artists to like, NFT artists need to understand that like as much as we dislike Facebook and Meta, like that's going to be a huge door opening for artists to get their work onto the Meta platform. So that way, you know, virtual houses all across the globe can get their artwork, you know, on their Meta houses. I, for one, and more of like a DCL, Decentraland, and CryptoVoxels kind of girl, and I love my on-cyber galleries. Um, But I know that that's not going to be easy for everyone because the onboarding just takes too many steps. People like the general public want it quick, they want it fast, and they want it easy. And so the fewer steps that there are for them to get a virtual house, they're going to go that route. And if that means Facebook and Meta, that's the route that they're going to take. So artists need to understand that, sure, Facebook sucks, <laughs> but like there is a huge opportunity there for artists. I just hope that people don't write it off. Right. Well, even beyond meta, though, I mean, you're doing something sort of different than almost every other NFT artist, which is trying to, as you said, bridge the gap between reality, real world material and and the metaverse, NFTs, digital JPEGs. So what do you think the what do you see for the future of that? How do you see for people who aren't interested in buying a, a mansion in meta or real estate in Decentraland or um you know, traversing the the matrix in this sense. Um, Do you see other ways that the real world will be affected by this space? Absolutely. I think um, a lot of the the normies are going to start, you know, being forced into this space, not from an artistic standpoint, but maybe from like a... Sorry, is that derogatory? I'm so sorry. No, no offense, normies. But I You're think... not welcome here, normies. You are. You are. I think here. over time, over time, they're going to be forced into NFTs, whether they like it or not, because and not from an artistic standpoint. Like they're going to be forced into it with Web three, Web three social media integration, or um, you know, documents like buying a car might be an NFT. The title might be NFT. The um, you know, a, a hospital paperwork might be NFTs. Like there, that's where this is leading. And yeah. whether or not people feel comfortable about like buying a JPEG, it's that's gonna that point will be moot. NFTs will be in their lives whether they want it or not. Is it will their lives be more fun if they have a JPEG? Heck yeah. <laughs> But as far as like NFTs go, like in some form or another, they're going to be in their lives. Embrace the storm. Yeah, I I totally agree. Can you talk a little bit about the ownership part of NFTs? Because I I think it does vary from 
from NFT to NFT. For, for example, I have uh, some Matrix NFTs. I don't believe I really own much with those NFTs. I think Warner Brothers or, or whoever the studio is basically owns most of that NFT. And I do, I can sell it, I can trade it, um, but it's very, con it's very specific, the kind of ownership I have. As opposed to, I think, Bored Apes, I believe they own the ape. And there are now Bored Ape music videos and Bored Ape cartoons with individual uh, owners of those apes because they own the rights to... to uh, exploit that that uh, artwork in any way they can. Another example is uh, a DAO just bought, um, was it an NFT? I guess it wasn't an NFT, but they just bought the Dune manuscript. Did you read about this? Oh, yeah. So I don't know if that was an NFT or if that was a book, but I think what happened was that this DAO bought a very rare Dune manuscript thinking that... Uh, they own the rights to now make Dune movies and they own the rights to now uh, do whatever they want. And they don't. They discovered afterwards they do not um, the same way you don't own the rights to make a Mickey Mouse cartoon if you have a Mickey Mouse uh, painting or a Mickey Mouse doll or, or something. Um, so what what is how are you uh, transferring ownership with your art and what are you seeing as far as ownership in general with NFTs? Such a good question. And it varies because it depends on, you know, each creator's intent. Um, like like you had mentioned with Bored Apes, like 100% of the IP rights went to the collector. The current collector, not past, you have to currently hold an ape in your collection in order to capitalize off of it and, and create, you know, other creations based off of that ape. So, um, that I think was when that, when that unrolled, when that rolled out in April of last year, God, I remember being in those clubhouse rooms, we were all changing our profile pics and, you know, ooh, 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 like in, in the rooms, like apes. Oh my God. They were so fun. I miss those clubhouse days. Ah, oh, early clubhouse. Um, but there, um, yeah, there, there were, uh, like bored apes really revolutionized the game there because, um, you know, punks were popular before then, obviously, but they didn't come with IP rights. It was more of like a, a store of value, um, as well as like a, um, a collection flex, which, um, I say that not to, you know, dismiss any of that because those are, you know, important you know, in some way or another too, but the, um, yeah, the IP, like the commercialization of, of board apes was huge, totally changed the game. Um, as far as like DAOs buying, uh, physical works like the, uh, Dune manuscript and the, um, uh, even the Wu-Tang clan album, right. The, right, um, right, right. yeah. So, uh, it doesn't mean that they can, you know, um, make copies of it, because that's not what the you know creator intended. That wasn't part of the IP um, rights that the that the DAO has. It's cool that they own it, right? But it's it's great to know that that piece of history is in the NFT community somehow. That's cool. But there's no way to capitalize off of it. So um, and not everything should have full IP rights. Like like right. some projects are great that that have it, but not every project should. Like there's going to be, um, you know, there are going to be artists that do one of one works that, you know, they, they retain their IP because maybe they, maybe they as an artist feel that the, com the commercialization of their works goes against their whole ethos of being a fine artist. So it's not an end all or be all. And there isn't one great answer because it's, it's, 
it has to be approached with like um, the understanding of how complex it can be and that there, that all the answers are working now for, you know, PFP traders or, you know, NFT traders that, um, that like to flip and, and have gains, which is totally fine too. That's part of the ecosystem as part of the market. Um, for those that, you know, only want to invest in projects that, that offer the collector full IP rights, by all means, go for it, seek out those projects and make your bag, make your, um, make your, your, uh, I almost said bird's nest. That's not the right euphemism. Make your, make your um, bird's nest. <laughs> make your cheese that's, wheel. That's what I'm going to use from now on. <laughs> nest egg, nest egg. That's what it is. Nest egg. Like make your nest egg. If, if, if that's what your, you know, ultimate goal is like, Seek out those projects that have that give away full IP rights to the collector and do something with it. Like make sure you, you know, the project that you create on the backbone of, of, of the IP project, make sure it's one that's going to, you know, put you, make you well off, I guess, or build value for your community. If you want to, you know, look at it, look at it as a business long-term like there. Um, and then if you're not into that at all, and you're just into for the art, maybe the IP doesn't really matter. So for, um, for my works, um, like, at first, I was like when I first started in, um, you know, March of last year. Wow, almost a year now. Um, like I was very, I had that mindset of like, you know, um, this was before Board Apes, right? Like March of last year. Um, I had, you know, done a lot of research and I had heard that, you know, NFTs, there's a lot of fraud and people will just copy paste the photo and remint it somewhere else. Copy minting is what that's called. And I was very concerned about that. So I would mint like in the description, like, you know, copyright Rebecca Rose sculpturings, like on my early mints. And then I realized, you know what, like it's the provenance of it going back to the original creator's wallet address it should, you know, kind of clear the air as to who the original creator was. So I stopped right, right. putting that on there. So like my early works have that, that line item at the very bottom of the description and I'm not going to change it. I can't change it. It's minted on the blockchain. Um, but my, um, but the mints that I've been doing since the summer do not have that. So that's an example of like, you know, like I said, you know, things change. <laughs> You got to learn to adapt and pivot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By the second, for sure. H how are you managing sort of traversing this landscape? Because one, one of the things I'm noticing, and I know it's being worked on, but it's so fragmented. There's so many different uh, platform platforms. There's so many different um, blockchains. There's so many different uh, communities. And, and it's great. I, I love that there are different kinds of spaces, but it's really difficult to get from one to another or transfer things from one to another. Um, has that been a difficulty for you at all? Or do you find that you're mostly residing in, in one kind of platform or space so it doesn't really matter? I'm all over the place. <laughs> like not just with platforms on Ethereum, but, you know, uh, NFTs on Solana and NFTs with Tezos. Like, um, and there have been some uh, NFT chains like um, Cardano and oh gosh, what was the one that Coin Vice was gonna not Coinbase but Coin Vice? We were gonna have. Sure. Oh, maybe that was Matic. Um, I mean, Matic NFTs are good too, but yeah, I haven't really minted on Matic. 
um, or Polygon um, because they kind of are, they have kind of a, mm, kind of a stigma attached that they're a little devalued because they're so easy to mint and because people kind of like spam others wallet addresses with these free airdrops and, and all that. So, um, as far as, um, yeah, yeah, they kind of are mm, poo pooed a little bit, um, but, um, yeah, so within, within the Ethereum ecosystem, my God, there's so much going on between like digital fashion and, and, um, uh, uh, land and, um, play to earn gaming and, um, NFTs themselves and then fractionalization of NFTs. You know, if you were to fractionalize an NFT and then have, um, people buy shares, well, I can't use the word shares because it's not a security, but um, portions right. of that NFT. Um, it, just aside from like being an artist trying to mint your own work and then, you know, trying to follow um, all of these different conversations happening, it's all over the place. So um, the things I try to focus on is uh, the communities that I've, um, you know, been involved with since those early clubhouse rooms of early last year, as well as other um, pillars of the community, um, as well as, you know, some, some communities that I've, um, you know, helped with curation as well. Um, and then, um, yeah, but whew, it seems like I'm focused, but there really is so much to focus on that I feel like I can't, I'm just constantly grasping for, um, you know, to, <laughs> to, to make sure that the, the balls I'm juggling aren't falling to the ground. Yeah. They're like big ostrich eggs and I've got slippery soapy yeah. hands. And, and, and there's 75 of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, with Solana, um, it's, it's a really cool community that's starting, um, like it's burgeoning and, um, there are talks that Solana will be the Ethereum buster like in years to come. So I'm very, very thankful that I started minting in 2021, um, the year that they started because, um, yeah, with, with as high as Ethereum gas fees are right now, if, um, right. if, if layer two, or I'm sorry, not layer two, if ETH two doesn't roll out and, and drop those prices sooner than later. I think Solana is going to get a big chunk. People are going to move over. Right. Um, yeah. Without a big budget, how do you, how do you do anything on Ethereum with these gas fees? Oh my gosh. Babies to sell or arms and legs to chop off to sell, maybe some kidneys. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah it's hard. When I first started out, like, um, even minting on, on OpenSea, minting itself on OpenSea is free when you start, but when you list something, it costs. And that's when you have to, um, you know, uh, activate your open, your, uh, MetaMask to OpenSea. And that's when they start charging you. So you could mint all you want and it's on chain, but in order to sell it, in order to, for it to be traded, you do have to pay um, for that to happen. So, which is called lazy minting. So there's, um, if you're on a, a bit of a budget and you definitely want to do Ethereum, um, I would suggest that lazy mint on OpenSea, build up your, um, you know, your fan base or your community or however you want to call it, make sure your marketing is on point. Um, and then invest the money that it's going to take to, to actually list it. 
so you can sell it and then use those proceeds to create new work and just let it grow from there. Now, if you're an artist with a little budget and you're like, it doesn't have to be on Ethereum. Tezos is a good chain, super cheap, super cheap. Tezos is really cheap to mint on. And that also has a, a pretty good collecting community too. Um, and then of course, Solana is super cheap as well. But they're not viewed as cheap. That's the difference between like Polygonmatic and Tezos and Solana. Like Polygonmatic is kind of seen as cheap, but Tezos and Solana are seen as like, respectable, but also affordable. Sure. I like that. That's the Cliff Notes version of, of each of these chains. Go, going back to what you were saying about the shares and the securities and having that be an issue, I'm actually looking for a finance, some sort of finance person to come on this show and, and sort of explain that because I think that's sort of unique to the U.S. and it's an issue and it keeps coming up uh, with with almost everyone I'm talking about. Um, can you explain what that issue is? That is a big issue. And regulators are taking note um, because any time that there is uh, an asset that's you know promised to deliver value or to go up in value or whatever, it can be seen as a security. And um, if it's you know, if it is a security, then it has to fall under those regulations. But there are very few regulations and laws for NFTs, which is the beauty of decentralization. So um, it, it is a huge issue, which is why we have to be very careful about the words that we use um, and not use words like shares or securities or anything that might sound like stocks, um, because that is not uh, what we do. That is not what um, we, we don't want NFTs to fall down that rabbit hole of, 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 um, of how stocks are treated. Some of the good finance people to talk to is going to be Dees, D-E-E-Z-E. -E -E. He heads up Fractional Art and he, um, I think he helped found it. Um, and that's what they do. Uh, like they fractionalize, um, NFTs, like high level, high value NFTs. And then, um, you know, people buy into it. Um, and then if, it, if not promising that it does, but if it raises in value, then everybody sees a reward, um, based off of that, you know, their fractionalized cut. Well, I'm not going to say fractionalized share because that's not it, but fractionalized cut. Um, sure. And then it's also curious because uh, when when we do talk about decentralization, yeah, like like you can make your own Web3 wallet and basically keep it as your bank account and be totally decentralized. However, the on-ramps and the off-ramps to those decentralized wallets are still governed by whatever country you create those in. So like if your right. on-ramp is Coinbase, you remember doing a KYC and know your customer for Coinbase, that's your on-ramp. That's what um, is, right. uh, yeah, that's still held, like you're still held to the same laws um, based off of those off and on-ramps. Even though like the sure. the, web three part of it is decentralized so much of it in order to like either use those funds or you know um, like on real world non-web three things um like it right, requires right. off ramps there are a lot of people that um are considering moving to portugal because um you know they're 
their crypto laws uh, and their taxes on their crypto laws are crypto isn't as high. Um, same with, I think the Netherlands only taxes their crypto at like 1%, 1 or 2%, I think. Um, yeah, there, and U.S. needs to really, really like consider the long game here because if they... Yeah. If they if they overregulate, if they overtax, like then people are going to leave the country because you you might not need to live here if you can do the same you know excuse my French do the same shit elsewhere and you know get more rewards. So um, I think it's going to be interesting to to find out what NFT specific laws that China unveils because last week they announced that. Um, they will allow NFT trading within China, um, but that they're going to be writing specific laws uh, pertaining to such. So I'm curious to see how that unfolds and how that um, or if it will shape how the U.S. sees it in the future. All right. Well, to, to wrap up, um, for people who have been ignoring us for the last hour, give us <laughs> your uh pitch for um we'll, we'll list all your links and everything but just give it give us your your uh pitch to people who are interested in getting to nfts interested in getting to art should check out your work uh what should they know hi everybody wake up it's been an hour and we've been talking about rats and ghosts where have you been so <laughs> welcome to nfts if this is your first time um, uh, into the NFT sphere. Welcome. We are a wild, degenerate, zany bunch, um, but we're also very friendly. So um, <laughs> we're excited to see what JPEGs you put as your profile picture um, and excited to see uh, which uh, JPEGs you collect, um, as well as MP4s and, and PNGs. It doesn't have to be just, you know, a static image. Um, and we're excited to have you in, in this journey with us because uh, it's changed a lot of our lives and we hope it It'll change yours too for the better. Um, I'm Rebecca Rose and I'm an NFT artist um, and I've been minting in the space since early of last year and I'm on Super Rare, Known Origin, Foundation, OpenSea and Curate for Makers Place. Did I list them all? Um, but you can find my work um, on those platforms on the Ethereum chain as well as um, on uh, object.com with Tezos and Holoplex and exchange.art on the Solana chain. And I create digital collages that are a mixture of retro visions from the past meets sci-fi meets um, Willy Wonka wonderful, wonderful world <laughs> of craziness um, that also become uh, holograms in your physical space. It's one way to bring the digi into the fizzy because our lives are going to encounter both of them. So why not bring one from the other and one to the other? It's a vice versa two-way street. But yes, please do check out my work. And if you feel so inclined, um, please add it to your collection. Thank you so much, Matt, for having me on today. Oh, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. Your energy is infectious. Head to sculpturings.com as well. You forgot that one. Make sure that's sort of your central hub, right, to, to find you? Yes, it's spelled uh, S-C-U-L-P-T-U-R-I-N-G-S.com. Awesome. We'll post those links. And uh, thank you again. This was a great conversation. Thank you, Matt.